0: Right now in Montana, about 5% of adults are either blind or have low vision. This is the first podcast in a three-part series with our guest, Jacob Krisevich. Jacob was born with sight. In his early teenage years, he began to struggle with his vision. And by the time he was in his 30s, he was completely blind. We'll dive into his experience, an amazing story, daily life and those awkward questions, as well as life with a guide dog in these next three episodes. I'm your host, Jennifer Vansicle, longtime healthcare worker turned health educator. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking Health in the 406, where we're one community under the big sky. Jacob, when we visited with you before, you kind of told me that you started, so you have no sight now. Yes. But it kind of started when you were. Around 12, or uh, remind me the age, tell me the story. 12
1: was a milestone, so to speak, so I could see how that would stick out. Started when I was 10, 10, um, okay. <laughs> but I went blind in my right eye completely by 12. By 12, so that's okay. where the 12 came into okay. play. Uh, so at 10, I was playing hockey and I got hit really hard and slammed my head off the ice and was like really. I'm sure I got a concussion, but they just weren't as good about them back then. And I got up and I was really out of it and woozy and everything. And I was fine. Then, you know, after that went away, I was fine. I just, you know, did what 10 year old boys do, mm-hmm. went on playing. And then slowly over the preceding weeks, uh, I noticed a black dot in my vision. And again, like a 10 year old boy, I ignored it. And it got progressively bigger and bigger and bigger until I just, I couldn't really see much. It was, um, and it really scared me. So I finally said something to my parents because I just thought it would go away and it it didn't. And
0: And it wasn't like right in the center of your vision. So you're trying to read at school or was it, it
1: it was like a little off center, but then as it got bigger, it was taking up, I recollect correctly. It took up like the top half of my vision and, uh, by the time we got in to the doctor, cause you know, it was, Helena was still smaller. Right. A lot smaller back then. And so we just went and saw the pediatrician cause we weren't sure what to do. And luckily she was knowledgeable enough to know that it was, you know, retina related. And so she sent us to, or she immediately called, uh, an eye doctor here in town who referred us over to Billings immediately. Mm-hmm. And went to Billings, and because at that point, I could just see silhouettes of people if they were standing in front of a light. It went fast. Wow. And it was terrifying at 10. And so they took us to Billings, or I went, my parents took me to Billings, and the retinal specialist at that point told me that if they didn't do surgery the next day, that I'd be blind in my right eye. And, you know, I... Appreciate the honesty, but I was also 10, so, you know, maybe could have told my parents and they could have, mm-hmm. you know, relayed the information <laughs> in a kid a friendly way. Um, so obviously I was terrified and I never had surgery before and just all those things. And anyways, they did the surgery because I waited so long. It ended up being, if I remember correctly, I think it was a four hour surgery, which is wow. a really long time to be under. And anyways, they ended up being successful. Um, and, my vision stabilized out I went back to seeing well again after around 6 weeks and then um it happened again a few months later
0: just on its own no on more own. bumping trauma and was your other eye fine
1: yeah my other eye whole time yeah my other okay. eye was fine this whole time and then uh they it happened several more times they kept doing surgeries and by 12 I went blind my right eye wow wow yeah hmm. and about the same time as that, um, I'm a little hazy on the timeline, but I th- it was either slightly before or slightly after, I believe it was slightly after it happened in my left eye
0: mm. and just on its own and just, just no, on its own on that No one. more hockey injuries. Yeah.
1: And that's why at that point, originally they thought maybe it was tied to head trauma because in younger individuals, retinas don't tear. They don't detach. That's usually in the, you know, 50 plus that that happens. Mm. Mm-hmm. and so when it happens in younger individuals it's usually sports like hockey and football it's the head trauma uh and they kind of ruled that out because of the fact that there had been no recent trauma that it had to, this at that point had been like two or three years since the trauma so it made no sense that it would happen in my left eye um so i between the ages of 10 and 17, I ended up having 14 eye surgeries. Wow.
0: And were you, was Montana able to handle that or did you have to go out of state?
1: I did ultimately have to go out of state. So that retinal specialist who did my first surgery only did that one and then uh, left to okay. another state. So then I ended up going to Great Falls. They did my surgeries uh, right up until right before um, I went blind in my right eye. And at that point, the doctor... Angry Falls just he said this is beyond my level of expertise I can't get this to stop I'm going to send you down to Salt Lake City. There's a center there called the John Brand Eye Center which is like world renowned. It's that facility and John Hopkins are the two top two eye surgery centers in the world. Um I went to that one and I went and saw that specialist and he at that point said I'm going to do my best but there's a lot of scar tissue buildup, a lot of trauma that's happened with your right eye. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to save the vision in that eye. But then after several surgeries with the left one, he finally decided to do something that was experimental that he hadn't, that they hadn't ever done before with the patient. And so they did that. Uh, and thanks to him trying that out, my stabilized out at 17 until about five years ago.
0: Wow. So yeah, he and bought me
1: some time, which was really nice.
0: Yeah. But and so there you are going through middle school, high school, the tough years anyway, and, uh, yep. no more sports. Uh, did it affect your life any other way in middle school and high school besides having to miss school? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Tremendously. Uh, especially in middle school, kids can be mean. Um, yes. and <laughs> I mean, just your run of the mill. I hate using the word normal, but you're running the mill, you know, child without any, You know, noticeable things that make them stick out gets bullied and teased. And when you miss six weeks of school repeatedly over and over again, you really stick out. And when I would come back to school, my eye would be, you know, really red and, you know, uh, I'd have to do eye drops throughout the day and stuff. And so I really stuck out. And with that came, unfortunately, a very severe degree of bullying, Um, not just verbal You know, name calling and stuff like that, but also physical bullying in terms of I had kids try to get me swirlies. I was also small Uh, for my age. mm -hmm. Um, I was the shortest kid, the shortest boy in the class, was shorter than a lot of the girls. Um, And so, you know, the swirlies get trying to like get shoved into lockers, which isn't really a thing. People don't fit into lockers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I guess the apex of it is, um, and this is why I, I really think bullying is an issue that really does need to be addressed is at one point, um, thank goodness one kid spoke up, but they were actually going to like put me in a freezer, like a chest freezer. Oh, wow. And one kid was going to sit on top of it and, you know, just, it was quite severe. And so that yeah. was, that was hard on top of already going through all these surgeries and the trauma yeah. that goes with that. Oh, that's bullied.
0: unreal. That's, yeah. that's almost beyond bullying. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah.
1: It was very systematic to the point where I, did not want to go to school. I was, you know, more, I mean, no kid wants to go to school. Right. (laughs) But, especially in middle school. But at that point, it was fear-driven. I, teachers were worried about me because I wouldn't, when I walked down the hallways, I would um, always be staring at the ground because I kind of figured if I didn't make eye contact, maybe I, they wouldn't notice Mm me. And they were smart. They would do it in areas where teachers weren't. Mm -hmm. And to be fair to the Mm -hmm. teachers, they're understaffed and they can't, Watch every inch of the school. It's just not possible. Yeah, or appropriate for like bathrooms and things. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So
0: was that middle school and high school to that, or did it get a little better? It. In, or um, worse in high school. Middle or...
1: school was the apex of it. Okay. Yeah. But then it did continue into freshman year, less of the physical, but more verbal at that point. And then sophomore year, thank goodness, I hit a growth spurt and I grew literally a foot in a year. I all I did was basically eat and sleep and so I ended up coming out to be like six foot and so that made it easier. Plus uh-huh. I made some really good friends going from East Valley Middle School to Helena High, you get a different group of kids. And so I made some really good friends and those kids kind of they were quite big and that wasn't on purpose. They just ended up being that way and so they kind of looked out for me and like oh, I remember one time these two kids were talking about when I was walking over to where my mom was going to pick me up, these two kids were talking about, you know, um, beating me up and um, my friend happened to come up behind him and hurt him and intervened and they basically took tail and run because he was a big boy. So, yeah
0: yeah oh yeah advocate tell our kids you know i think that's the thing teach your kids to not do that and to stand up for others definitely
1: and that was the thing i was grateful for it was you know it wasn't like my friends were aggressive or anything they just all it took was them advocating and standing up just Mm -hmm. saying something like leave them alone like and yeah back down
0: yeah it's amazing to
1: people not saying anything yeah
0: yeah. The power of the voice is bigger than people realize. Definitely.
1: Also learn a sense of humor is a really good way to disarm uh, situations.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> in many aspects of life. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you finished high school and then, and you have by that point in time, you're completely blind in one eye. Yes. And so then you knew you were on borrowed time with the other, were you aware that, okay, let's just go for life. Or were you hoping yeah. at that point in time that they can, you yeah. know, this will just, Yeah. Hang in there. We've got it. Or
1: I took the approach of, I don't know when this is going to end and I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to be dumb and run head first into walls and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, but I'm still going to go do things. Like I'm still going to go skiing. I'm going to go wakeboarding and, you know, just these things. I'm just going to be careful, you know, as careful as you can be because I just realized that at some point this could happen anyways. Mm-hmm. And especially when it was more up to me, um, you know, my parents wanted me to experience life, but they also wanted to keep me safe. Like parents want to, you know? And so, so I was on my own. I really did. I went and did those things. I was, fortunately, I was still able to drive with what they call a conditional permit where you're, um, you know, not supposed to drive at night and things like that. Yeah, okay. Um, so I was still able to drive cause I had good vision in my left eye. But, yeah, so I went and I lived my life. I went backpacking. I went, you know, camping and fishing and all those things. You know, I still...
0: And my life. while you were doing all that, were you kind of also... Were you maybe learning Braille or anything like that at that point in time to so for I, the just in case? I
1: wish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean... You know, 18-year-old boys aren't very... They're still not very smart um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, sorry to 18-year-old boys that <laughs> for, may be listening. You are a boy. Uh, <laughs> you are a boy for a long time, much longer than girls. And so, no, I, I wish I would have been... And I had people ask me that, you know. And I ended up going to college right after school. Um, I was fortunate in that board well in the ACTs. I learned to adapt in terms of education. You know, I... When I fall missing all that school, I had to either give up or push through. And I ended up having to self-teach, you know, had to teach myself a lot of things. And the teachers were great in helping me with that. But I ended up scoring well in ACT, so I got good scholarships and I went to Carroll. And at that point, I got set up with Blind and Low Vision Services, which is a program through Voc Rehab. um, And their whole purpose is actually part of DPHHS. Their whole purpose is to help people with getting... um, post-secondary education, whether it's, you know, your typical college or some sort of trade mm-hmm. and that's vote free in general, but blind and low vision services is focused obviously on blind individuals and people with low vision and.
0: A mm. And so how many years total then did you get to go? Did you go with just that one eye until you lost your vision for four years ago? Was that, are we talking like, 10 years um, or 15 from, uh, from, from the very, when I very er, first left,
1: lost my vision in the right eye. Yes. It would have been, Oh man, you asking me to do
0: math. I am. Uh. <laughs> Don't ask me yeah. to do it. Cause we'll get the wrong answer.
1: <laughs> it would have been, uh, approximately 16 years,
0: 16. That's a lot of living Yeah, um, in there. Definitely. Yeah.
1: It is. And I got to do a lot of great things. I, I, through a program in high school for that was college prep called upper bound. Oh yes. Um, I don't know if it's still in existence. I hope so. It's, it's a great program. It's a program that helps kids who's, who are either low income or their parents that, that, that they don't have like a bachelor's degree, Uh huh. the work of you have an associates if one of your parents does, but their whole idea is to get kids to go to college. And so through that program, I got to go to Washington DC and New York city. Um, which is really cool. and. Also, when I was in college, I got to go to Botswana, Africa for two and a half months. So I got to do a lot in those 16 years. I made a point
0: of it. Nice. Nice. And you're married. So you yeah. must have met somebody, had a big, <laughs> beautiful wedding <laughs> I, and, yeah. and everything. I did. And-
1: yes. I I met my wife when I was in college and we met at a place here in town. That used to be in existence. Unfortunately, it went under called Boys and Girls Club. It was an after-school program for low-income children. And so we met there, and then we were friends at first, and we ended up starting to date, and then we ended up getting married, and two young boys um, named uh, Asher and Declan. They um, are eight and six, eight almost and six. nine and six.
0: Okay. Yeah. So. You have kind of an interesting case in that. So you had life where you saw what mm-hmm. your you saw your sons be born. Yeah. You saw their faces. Yes. Um, you know, you know what your wife looks like. Yes. And then when you started to lose vision in that second eye, yeah. did it just happen like boom overnight, or was it like, oh man, there's that black spot again, and it's getting bigger? I, what was it like losing that second? So
1: it was interesting in that it manifested itself differently because of their experimental. Surgery he did at 17 that stopped it. What he ended up doing was putting a silicone gel in the eye inside of your eye. I guess I should back up here. Some people might not know what a retina is. It's basically the lining at the back of your eye and the image projects onto it. And then your brain takes that through the nerve and makes sense of it. Um, And that lining tore. And inside of your eye, there's a fluid called vitreous fluid and what he did was the vitreous fluid is kind of thinner, it's less viscous. And what he did was he put in a really thick, um, viscous or silicone gel in there. Um, and the whole idea was if it's thicker, it'll apply more pressure on the retina and stop it from lifting. And so with that, the signs were different. Normally you see flash flashing lights or you'll see floating dots or you'll see, a curtain at what happened with this was my vision started to get blurry in the middle of my vision. And I was really confused. I was scared. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't want to go through this again. It was really hard from a mental health standpoint. And so I went and saw my doctor. They're like, well, you have macular edema. We're not really sure what's causing it. And then it slowly got worse. And what they ended up finally realizing was that the retina was, Separating, but it was just doing it so slowly because the oil that it was hard to notice at first. And so they did a bunch of things at first, like steroid injections and stuff, not realizing it was the retina that was detaching again. Mm. And so it kind of was gradually decreasing and it was getting just essentially blurrier and blurrier and instead of getting dark. And then they... Realized that it was the retina detaching again and they went into do surgery. And at that point, I was legally blind, but which is for people who don't know, is your vision is 2200 or worse. And when you're considered legally blind, which means that something that person with ordinary good sight would see, like you guys would see something, so assuming that you guys have good vision, <laughs> you guys would see something at 20 feet and be able to read it or I mean some, sorry, flip that. Um, what you guys would be able to see at 200 feet away, I would have to be 20 feet away to read. Wow. Wow. It's basically the way that works out. And so at that point I was legally blind. They did the surgery and the doctor said, um, you know, we'll we'll see how this takes, but your, eye didn't respond super great to it. And sure enough, as the weeks went on it, um, my vision just didn't return. It wow. was just, and then he said, I'm sorry, there's not anything else I can do. Um, and so anyways, from there, it just gradually, slowly got darker and darker. And I didn't, they, he didn't know where it was going to stop. I didn't know where it was going to stop and ended up stopping with me being totally blind
0: not mm-hmm. being able to see any
1: light or anything.
0: So, wow. Yeah. Wow. And then, and that was, pr- it sounds like over months, just yeah. a matter of months. So yeah. how did you cope? Were you still able to, you know, with work or life yeah. in general, were you just adapting as fast as you could? Or did you need like to take a couple months off and try and mentally just, group, I... or what were you doing with your mental health and life at that point?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's an excellent question. I at first, I was so busy with adapting and trying to keep my head above water with work and being a dad because, you know, and a husband, like it, your life doesn't stop for you to adapt and learn. Um You either keep up and do your best or you wallow.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. We're going to end the podcast here, but don't worry, we're coming back with a second podcast with Jacob and we pick up right where we left off. In this episode, you heard Jacob mention blind and low vision services. This is a bureau at the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services. Another great bureau is the Vocational Rehabilitation and Blind Services Bureau. For more information on these and other programs available, visit TalkingHealthInThe406.mt.gov. And we'll see you again next time. Until then... Take care.